Hebrews chapter 11 verses 1 to 6. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith he was commended as a righteous man when he spoke when God spoke well of his offerings, and by faith he still speaks, even though he is dead. By faith Enoch was taken from this life, so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. This is the word of the Lord. Well, thank you, Logan, and good morning, everyone. It's very nice to see you and to um, add my welcome to James. It's lovely to have you here at St. Stephen's. Uh, just before we think about the passage that um, Logan just read to us, uh, one sh- very quick notice. It's the AGM on Thursday night, the parish's AGM. I think the details you'll find in the new sheet. But um, one thing I wanted to say, we've, we've come up with the booklets that we always do for the, um, uh, the parish AGM, but we haven't printed off enough for everybody. The emails have been sent this morning with all the, with the whole pamphlet, uh, but we know that not everyone can either read those on their computer or print them off, so we have printed some off at the back this morning, but there's not enough for everyone. So if you don't need one because you can read it, you're computer savvy, like you know, technical genius like myself, then you don't take one of the printed off ones, uh, just leave it to those other poor people who are not as good as the rest of us, technically. Um, There's also one motion in there which I wanted to draw your attention to because if we're passing motions it's good for us to think on them. The one motion that we've put in the booklet is the motion that we'll be putting on Thursday night that we as a church come under the extra-provincial diocese and that constitution. So this is part of what St Stephen's has always said all the way through that uh, as we left ACNZP we wanted to meet up and join with other Anglicans to form a new Anglican structure. We'll be doing that on Thursday night when we move that motion. But part of doing that motion and certainly being able to do it in good conscience is knowing that you're happy with the constitution that's been been built. So uh, if you would like to see the constitution or be able to read it through, get in touch with Chris in the office and we'll email a copy through so that you can uh, read it and um, be able to see it. I hope that makes sense. Come and see me afterwards if it uh, didn't. Let me pray and we'll uh, get into things. Heavenly Father, in a world that is often so dark and difficult, we thank you for the light of the Lord Jesus. We thank you for the privilege we have of gathering as your people and as brothers and sisters in Christ. We thank you for your word that you speak to us and that your spirit takes that word and applies it to our hearts and minds and lives. Father, this morning as we sit here together, as we listen to your truths, please impact our lives by them. We pray, Father, that we would not leave the same way that we arrived this morning. Strengthen us, encourage us, challenge us, make us more into the likeness of your Son. And we ask this in his precious name. Amen. Well, our topic today is faith. Faith. 
And faith seems to be one of those essential aspects of being human. We need faith. At times like we've had recently in Christchurch, or at times uh, of particular darkness and difficulty in a person's life, we, we almost automatically know that what we have in and of ourselves and physically and tangibly around us is not enough. We need more. The need for faith is massive. And at times like that, the, the, the call for people to have faith or to keep the faith is often heard. But it can be a bit woolly. What's meant by it? What does it mean, have faith? What does it mean, keep the faith? There's a lot of thinking and uh, reflection and speaking on faith that, that can be quite confusing and sometimes quite contradictory. Uh, to prove that, let me share some quotes that I found on faith from popular culture. Uh, as a popular culture expert, <coughs> in the movie uh, Keeping the Faith, if you've ever seen the movie Keeping the Faith, the priest character played by Edward Norton says this, Faith isn't about having the right answers, Faith's a feeling. Faith's a hunch. A hunch there's something connecting us all. There you go. There's one person's thought on faith. In Kevin Smith's film Dogma, Selma Hayek's character says this, It doesn't matter what you have faith in, just that you have faith. There you go. Oh, I thought that was a response. Uh, in the movie Philadelphia, starring Tom Hanks and Denzel Washington, uh, one of the characters in the film says this, Faith is the belief in something for which we have no evidence. <laughs> Thank you, Mike Crowther, for that response. Then, of course, the, I've used this quote before, but you can't, when you're speaking about faith, you can't go past the 80s song by George Michael, which goes, Because I gotta have faith, ooh, I gotta have faith, because I gotta have faith, 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 I gotta have faith. Faith, faith. I can't believe some people doubt the depth and complexity of those lyrics <laughs> haven't stood the test of time. Uh, George Michael thinks there has to be faith. There seems to be, see there's disagreement and different thoughts over faith and what it is and how it should be applied and those kind of things, but there seems to be an almost automatic internal knowledge that human beings need faith. That there's something more than ourselves, something more than what we experience with our five senses that we need to have faith in. And at difficult times, nearly everyone knows that, experientially, not just in our heads. And so today we're beginning a three-week series on faith from Hebrews 11, 1 to 6. If you know Hebrews, you'll know that chapter 11 is the chapter of faith, but we're just going to be looking at the first six verses over these three weeks. So today we're going to look at faith generally, and the title of my talk is, We've Got to Have Faith. Faith, 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 faith. We've got to have faith. And then over the next two weeks, we're going to look at two Old Testament characters and the faith that they had. So we'll see next week uh, the need for a faith that works by looking at Abel. And then the week after that, we'll see the need for a faith that walks by looking at Enoch. So that's how it's going to work. But today it's general. It's big picture stuff. The truth is, and I want to say this very clearly, everyone has got faith. Everyone's got faith, and everyone uses that faith and lives by that faith every single day. Faith is not just the domain of the religious person. You've got faith when you eat a meal that you didn't cook. You've got faith that the uh, elements of that meal were all best before the right date, that the people who prepared and cooked that meal have done it properly, and uh, then we eat it. Sometimes less faith is required, when Jamie makes me a meal, I've got total confidence in it. I don't even think about it. Jamie's got some kind of... I'm going to stop now. Uh, in terms of... 
well, firstly, she's a good cook, but she's also kind of um, uh, really on to best before dates and those sorts of things. So I don't even think about it. But when you go out for, for a meal or to a fast food restaurant, anyone ever had the kind of experience where you look over and go, seriously, are you cooking my meal? And uh, there's less faith, more faith is required. When you turn on a tap and drink water, you've got faith. Got faith that it's not containing jadia or that the pipes haven't got anything in it. Our experience, our reason tells us that these things are likely to be okay, but we can't be sure. We have faith. I get my pay slip and I've got faith that the money has actually gone into my account. When I drive the car, I've got faith that the mechanic or the, the car manufacturer has done a good job at doing it. I don't know when I get in the car, but I have faith that they do. And I live in the light of that faith. Because faith always leads to action. We eat the food. We drink the water. We withdraw the money. We drive in the car. But we do it in faith rather than in perfect knowledge. And so actually faith is something that we all employ, all human beings, in our daily lives in different ways. But when the Bible talks about faith, it's speaking of a specific kind of faith. And we want to be clear on what the Bible speaks of when it talks about faith. One of the weaknesses in Christianity is sometimes we use jargon without thinking about what it is. We don't have clarity over words and concepts. And this can creep in with faith. In the same way that the quotes I shared before have slightly different ideas on people's understanding of faith, the same can happen with us as Christians. So let me ask you, how would you define faith, Christian faith? Have a think that if, if someone said... I don't know if I've got enough faith, how would you answer them? Or if someone said to you, I wish I had your faith, how would you respond? When you start thinking about those questions, then uh, your response will flow out of your understanding or misunderstanding of what faith is. Well, let's think about it this morning. Faith is one of the key aspects of the Christian life. If you don't believe me, look at the verse 6, the last verse in our reading this morning. The author of Hebrews says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Do you see that? Do you want to please God? You cannot do it without faith. That's what the author of Hebrews says. It's impossible. So let's, let's think about a few points to do with Christian faith. I've got three and then I want to pause to reflect on one other thing. The first point this morning is faith is not just blind acceptance or a leap in the dark. Faith is not just blind acceptance or a leap in the dark. That's what many people today think Christian faith is. That it's blindly holding on to something, even in the face of overwhelming facts to the contrary. That it's just foolishness. That's how many non-Christians view Christian faith. That when you walk through the doors of a church, you've got to turn off your brain and reason. You've got to leave your mind at the door and foolishly accept things that are clearly not true. Remember the quote from the movie Philadelphia? Faith is, in the belief, faith is the belief in something for which we have no evidence. And the other one from Keeping the Faith, faith is not about having the right answers. A lot of people think like that, that it's simply a leap in the dark. But actually, that's not Christian faith. The language of our verses this morning suggests almost the exact opposite, don't they? Have a look at verse 1. Look how the author of Hebrews describes faith. Verse 1, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commanded, commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed out of God's command, dot, dot, dot. Do you see how Christian faith is described there? Verse 1, being sure. End of verse 1, being certain. 
Verse 3, by faith we understand. Rather than uncertainty and leaps in the dark and just switching your brain off, faith is spoken of as assurance and as certainty and bringing understanding and knowledge. Now, I don't want to overstate this because there's always an aspect of faith that requires trust and that has uncertainty, but it's not blind trust. It's not foolish thinking or acceptance. Uh, if you'll allow me to share something uh, about myself this morning, I am a Christian in part because the Christian truths make more sense to me than any other philosophy I've ever come across. Any other philosophy about life or death or the world or the human condition, Christianity makes sense. When you see things happen in the world and you see the pundits and the, the media try and ask questions about what's going on here, and, the, and you kind of say, do you not understand the, the truth? Because Christianity's got it. More than that, I'm a Christian in part because when I read about Jesus and I see who he is and what he said and what he did, there is no one more admirable, no one more trustworthy, no one more incredible that I've ever come across. When you think of the cross and the resurrection and you work out what changed the lives of the disciples, there's nothing, it stands up to scrutiny. We're not in the area of myth here. So this is not about fairies or pixies or muggles or you know, any of those sorts of things. The Christian life can be investigated. It can be weighed up and thought about and reflected upon. It can be reasoned and debated and understood. Again, I'm not trying to say that it's all provable. All I'm doing is refuting the nonsense that Christian faith is blind acceptance, that it's just a leap in the dark despite all the facts around us. So that's the first point. There is evidence. It's not just a leap in the dark or, or blind acceptance. There is understanding to faith. But secondly, faith is more than just understanding. Faith is more than just understanding. Some people think that faith is basically agreeing with things, understanding things you can't quite be sure of. Uh, what I mean by that is, let me, let, let me illustrate it for you. M many of you, most of you I would take it this morning, will know these words. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, dot, 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 dot. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He's seated at the right hand of the Father and will come again to judge. These are the words of the, the creed, the Apostles' Creed. And the creeds are a statement of what Christians believe, what we have faith in. So if you can sign off on the creeds, in one sense, you can sign off on the faith once for all given. You have faith. You're a Christian. Except... I take it that in some sense, the devil could rattle off the Apostles' Creed, accepting that every part is factually true. I'm sure he believes that God is the creator of heaven and earth. I'm sure he agrees with the fact that Jesus is God's only son, that he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of a virgin. The devil would know all these things to be true, intellectually assent to those facts. But none of us would call him a Christian. None of us would say he's got Christian faith because understanding is not enough. Because faith is more than just agreeing with things or understanding things. It's living in the light of that. You see this in the New Testament in tragic ways. You see it with King Herod, with John the Baptist. King Herod liked to listen to John the Baptist. He knew he spoke the truth, but he wouldn't do anything about it, and in the end he was put to death. Pilate with Jesus. Pilate knew that Jesus was a good guy. He didn't want to put him to death. He, he, he understood these things about Jesus, but he didn't do anything about it. 
Judas Iscariot knew better than anyone that Jesus was the real deal. He'd lived with him for three years. He knew he spoke the words of true life. He knew he could do incredible things. In his head he knew it. But, it, but faith is more than that. It's trusting in these things, living by them, relying upon them. There are many people who agree that there's a God of some sort, but not all trust in him, rely upon him, live for him. That's saving faith. It's no good for me to say, Jamie, I do have faith in your cooking. I just don't eat it. Uh, it doesn't work. It's no good to say, I, I trust you, mechanic, for what you've done in my car, but I will never drive in that thing again. Faith necessarily works itself out in life. So faith is more than just agreement. That, that faith, that trust will lead to a lifestyle in line with it. Choices and actions that flow out of that understanding. So first point, faith is not just blind acceptance or a leap in the dark. Secondly, faith is more than just understanding. Thirdly, the important thing is not faith itself, but the object of that faith. That's what a couple of those quotes at the beginning were confused about again. It doesn't matter what you have faith in, just that you have faith. That was the Salma Hayek quote. Or the George Michael one. You've got to have faith, you've got to have faith, you've got to have faith, 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 faith. Faith in what, George? That's the question to ask. Faith in what? The important thing is not faith itself, but what your faith is in. What's its object in? George Michael, we've all got faith, like I said before. And faith in some people and in some things will be well-founded, and faith in other people and other things will be foolish. I'm sure you're like me. There are certain companies I don't buy from anymore because my faith in them has been shattered over the years. And I'm not going to mention it because it would be rude. But I'm sure you've had some experiences. You'll have relationships with certain people where they've, you know, fool me once, shame on me, fool you twice, that they've let you down. You've got some people you can have confidence in, some people that you don't. When it comes to Christianity, the great thing is faith is in Jesus. Faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ, and let me tell you, it is well-placed. It's in him and his death on our behalf. Christian faith is a faith, a personal trust in Jesus and what he did for you and I on the cross. Trusting that he died in my place, in your place. And in Christianity, the Bible is clear that it's this faith, because of who that faith is in, that saves us. It's not that faith itself is powerful, it's the object of that faith. The person and work of Jesus Christ, that's what makes it effective and powerful. In other words, it's because of who Jesus is and what he did that our faith saves us. God's Son shedding his blood for us is so powerful, it can make us right with the Almighty God. It can make you and I forgiven, bring us uh, into his family, assure of us of the future. It can give all those guarantees, done and dusted. Nothing we do or don't do, nothing we contribute helps us or strengthens our position before God. It's only down to our faith in Jesus and what he's done. But it's the object of our faith. When people say they wish they had your faith, or if you worry that your faith's not enough, the answer is to point people to Jesus. Don't worry about your faith. Don't worry to get someone else who's worried about your faith. Trust, push them to Jesus. The New Testament talks about faith needing only what? The size of a mustard seed. I know nothing about mustard seeds, but I'm told they're very small. Because the, the, the importance isn't the strength of my faith, it's the strength of the one in whom my faith is placed. So there's the three principles about faith. Not just a leap in the dark or blind acceptance. Uh, two, it's more than understanding. Three, the important thing is the object. But I want to close by continuing to think about what we have faith in in this world. 
I've said that it's primarily in Jesus, which is true. But notice what that faith in Jesus leads to. It's in the words of verse 1, Hebrews 11, verse 1. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. There's great comfort here for Christians. What this verse reminds us of is that life is not just about the now and what's visible. Do you see that in verse 1? Faith's being sure of what we hope for, that's the future, not now, it's about the future, and being certain of what we don't see, which reminds us there's a reality outside the visible. You and I need to remember that today. Has there ever been a generation and a culture which is so absolutely obsessed with the now and the visible, the physical, what we can touch and feel and smell? We're the instant generation, the here and now people. Now, it was obviously an issue back then when Hebrews was written, but I feel like we embody it even more today, to our shame. We don't want to be like that. We don't just want to live for the now and what we can feel. And I always think in the Bible, the poster child for this kind of attitude is Esau. Remember Esau? The story of Esau who goes off for a hard day's work and he comes back after a hard day's work and he sees his brother, his younger brother Jacob there, with some food. He's got some bread and some stew. And what does he do? He sells his birthright for bread and stew. It's incredible what he does. And even more than that, it's not even meat stew. This is vegetarian stew. This is lentil stew that he gives it up for. This is the worst kind of deal in the history of the world. He gives up his future and his importance and significance. He gives up being an heir of the family. He gives up all this stuff for one meal. And I read that and I think, well, what a Muppet Esau is. How could he have such a short-term view of things? How could he give up all that long-term benefit for such short-term gain? But that's us, isn't it? That's exactly us in this world. We live in an age of huge debt because with credit cards we want what we want now with no regard of what it will mean in the future. We live in an age where governments of countries can't get people to save for their retirement without them making huge contributions because people do not live in the light of the future. Everyone knows we will one day die. No one prepares for it. Most of us, if we're being honest, live for the now and for the visible. And although there's some good elements to that, if, you, if it's too imbalanced, it's short-sighted and it's immature and it's dangerous. Same with the visible. Most of us know, if we're being honest, that there's more to life than just what we see around us. We know that, and yet so many people in this world switch their brains off to that to just eat the next meal, work the next day, take the next holiday. Is that really what we think life's all about? We don't think there's a greater purpose or meaning to life or something more beyond what we can just see? Christians do. And this is one of the wonderful assurances and confidences that you and I can have. We know, we have faith, meaning we're sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Do you see some of the blessings associated with that? When you are sure of what you hope for, sure of the future, and certain of what you do not see, that means you're sure and certain of your identity. And not just your identity now, because identities can change, but your identity for all time. That's what Christians have. You should know exactly who you are as a Christian because you're sure and certain of the future and of the things that you can't see. You know that you are a son or a daughter of God and that will not change. What a great thing to know about yourself. You know that you are a brother or sister in Christ to the people sitting around here. You know that your true position is up in the heavenlies with your God. 
You're an heir to the Lord. You will inherit all these. That's your identity. In a world that's confused about identity, Christians have certainty and assurance. Do you see the blessing of that? We have certainty as Christians of change. And you may think change is sometimes difficult, but change is sometimes the only thing that gives us light. We will change. If you've ever got to the point in your Christian life where you go, I can't believe I'm like this, Lord. Am I always going to be like this? We, we know we won't always be like this. Spiritually, physically, emotionally, mentally, we won't always be like this. The Spirit of God changes us. That's a wonderful thing to know. When you're having relational difficulties with someone else who's a brother or sister in Christ, and it's painful and it's hard, we know that that will change because they will change. It's called sanctification as we become more like Jesus. Again, in a world that, that, that can't hold on to any of those things or be sure about it, we can because we have faith in the Lord Jesus. We have certainty and assurance about the future. This is a bleak world to live in when you don't know with confidence what's coming up, when you don't know what's around the corner. Christians can't, The world wrestles with, will I be this? Will I have that? Will this happen to me? You and I know as Christians... And we know what that future is. A future without hurt or loss or loneliness or sin or death. We can be sure and certain because of the faith we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. We can understand it because these are the promises of God. You have no faith in Jesus, you've got no certainty or confidence. Living life without him is a miserable thing in this world. One of the things I've been reflecting on in the aftermath of the, the shootings is the the hazard or the danger of 24-hour news cycles and endless social media. Because what it does is, is it just, it's all the now and the visible. And it dictates how we feel and how we respond and how we live. And in the same way that health experts now are saying, turn the news off sometimes, or, or come off social media and, and, and pull yourself away, that's what God's saying to Christians. Don't just be consumed by the now and the present and the tangible and the material. Know that there's something beyond that you can't see. And the good thing for Christians is we can be sure of it. Know that there is a future that is better than the present and you can be certain of it. That's why as Christians we, we encourage each other to open the scriptures and to have time and fellowship and come to church because it's like switching off from just the here and now and reminding ourselves of the true things that God has done and is doing in the future for us. Because the greatest dangers that people face in this world and the greatest privileges that people can have in this world are not the ones that you can see. We need to be reminded of all that. We need faith for it. Faith in what God has said, done, and promised. Don't be Esau. And like so many other people in this world who just think it's about the now and the physical. And, and then so much time and worry and money go on the just the here and now. Faith gives us confidence and assurance. Not in ourselves, but in Jesus for ourselves. This is why Christians on the whole cope with life better. Not because we're exempt from the trials and difficulties of life, but because our faith gives us confidence beyond those difficulties and trials. And then we live that faith out in the circumstances that we're in. If we have faith in Jesus, like just if we have faith in the food or the, the car, we, it, it affects what we do. Our lives will show it. Our choices will reflect it. Our actions will demonstrate it. Our faith won't just be head knowledge more than understanding. It will flow into the way that you and I live. 
And if your faith wavers, I need to finish, I'll finish with this. If your faith wavers, don't, don't self-analyse. Don't think, have I got enough faith? Don't, don't navel gaze. Look more closely at the one in whom your faith is placed. That's the healthiest thing to do. Draw near to him. Remind yourself who he is and what he's done because that will give you the confidence. Our faith will waver. Sometimes our faith will waver big time in this world. When it does, remind yourself who he is. Look at him again. Remind yourself of his words and his promises. Don't pull away, which is always the temptation. Go to him. Because although my title this morning is we got to have faith, we do got to have faith. It's who our faith is placed in that's the key thing. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for our saviour. We thank you for our king. We thank you for our Lord. And we thank you for the certainty, the confidence, the assurance we can have because of him and what he's done for us. Father, if there's anyone here this morning who does yet not yet have faith in the Lord Jesus, show them who he is. Open their eyes and allow them to trust him and live for him. And for those of us who already do, especially for those who are struggling with that at the moment, remind us of the privilege of who our Saviour and King is. And may we trust him even more. We pray these things in his mighty name. Amen.